before we begin, we'll start with prayer. Mm -hmm. All right. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thrilled that we can come together as your children. We can, we can have a conversation. We can talk through dialogue. We are growing, we are learning. And Father, I pray that you will be with our discussion this evening. Help us to, to grow, help us to heal, and help us to be enriched by this conversation. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Dr. Hunt. Ah, prayer does change things. <laughs> Glad you can make it. Glad you can make it. Uh, this is the game. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, Doc. What's going on with you, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good to see your face, man. All right. Sir David, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I'm looking forward to getting to know you. All right. All right. Same here. As we're here at the beginning, we definitely want to start just, you know, introducing ourselves. Um, you know, just state really, really quickly who you are. Where are you from? Just so everyone is nice and acquainted. I'm wondering um, whether it would be okay for me to take a minute during that introduction to just give a little bit of my contextual background too. Oh yeah, gladly, sure, definitely, that would be great. All right. Um, if you would like to start us off, Doc, go ahead, Dr. David. Um, well, with introductions, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. All right, very good, very good. Again, my name is uh, David Slavacic. I'm uh, the professor of um, family ministry and discipleship at the Seventh-day Adventist Theological Seminary at Andrews University. But I, I want to begin by saying that um, I feel so honored as a white dude to be invited to this, to this conversation tonight. You know, I feel a little bit out of, out of place, but but let me just give you a little bit of, uh, of a contextual background. Um, a little over 34 years ago, I met Beverly, my wife, and Beverly is a, is a black African-American woman. And, um, you know, God brought us together with very clear um, signs that this is what his will was. And I didn't know how transformational that was gonna be for me. And, and so ever, ever since Beverly and I were married uh, 34 years ago, um, I have been immersed into black culture All right. by virtue of um, having black children. And our Beverly had a son, Eric, um, when she was, you know, before we had met. And, and then we had a, a son together. And but then we also have been members of a black church ever since then. Mm. So I've been immersed in the black church experience, which has been so rich for me, such All a right. blessing. And then I had the privilege of teaching at Oakwood University for five and a half years. And that was super awesome. It was wonderful, wonderful. And, and so it's with that kind of a background that I, I feel at all uh, like I have any kind of a voice in this conversation mm. uh, as a white man who has been immersed in black culture. So I just wanted to say a little bit about about that. And 
I'm a social worker by background. I've also been a pastor. I'm a chaplain as well. As social workers, we have this thing about social justice. And it's a very big um, part of, of being a social worker, of doing social work, is this idea of social justice. So, so that's another aspect of my life that folds into this into this experience that I've had. All right, cool, cool. And right on time, we have Seth Yolorda, my man. Yes, sir. And Seth. What's up? Hey, listen, uh, just, just introduce yourself real quick uh, for those that do not know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, man. Excuse me. Sorry. Running a little late. No, you're good, um, man. You're good. Yeah. So, um, so my name is Seth Yolorda, and I'm pastoring in Southern California at the Relove uh, Sam Davidis Church. And uh, connected with uh, Pastor Richard McNeil a couple years ago when I was pastoring in Chattanooga, Tennessee, at the Orchard Park Church. And so, been in ministry for about uh, 14, 15 years now, pastoral ministry, and uh, wife, three kids, and just glad to be on with you guys tonight. Well, hey, we're happy to have you, man. Happy to have you. Thanks for joining us. Um, and also, Dr. Hunt, please introduce yourself. You know, I don't want everyone to be familiar here. Just real quick. Yeah, real quick. Stephen Hunt, um, basically, like you said, I've been here um, every week since we started. So um, for those who are just joining, uh, I, I have a doctorate in mental health administration. Um, Asaidi. Uh, I have a master's in divinity from Andrews University, a theological seminary, and of course I attended Southern Adventist University. I pastor um, Community of Faith, a ministry founded by my wife and myself, and I also <clears throat> does employment advocacy for individuals with mental health and uh, IDD um, developmental disabilities. So that's my background. All right. Good to see you, Seth. It's been a hundred years. I know, man. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Small world, man. Small world. And then we have Pastor Gabriel Johnson. Come on, talk to us. All right. Well, um, my name is Gabe, and I have uh, been at the seminary here for the past couple of years. I was an associate pastor. Uh, in Georgia for about four years before that. Before that, I was at Southern with uh, with Richie. Uh, we served at Orchard Park together for part of his time. I just missed Seth, uh, your Lord. Okay. So this is a great to be able to, okay. to meet you. Uh, you had just left, but I just came in. So I, I, I oh, missed wow. you. But um, yeah, it's good to kind of be connected in this uh, in this group right now. That's what's up. Now, now we're here. Now we're here to see, man, uh, the subject Unfortunately, it's not it's not a, it's not a pleasant one. Um, it's concerning the shooting of a young man, Ahmad Arbery, a 25 year old African American who was doing something that myself and even Dr. Hunt we do <laughs> somewhat regularly. He, he went jogging, right? And upon his jog, he was confronted by two Caucasian males, and they shot and killed him. Killed him. Um, I was really, really disturbed um, as I, I watched the video. I watched the video and I saw it, and to be honest, I was in tears, man. I was in tears seeing it because immediately I identified, I'm like, that could have been me. Yeah. Um, I was especially disturbed and 
brought me to a point of even anger that this actually happened two months ago. Two months ago. It, it didn't just happen. Mm -hmm. Right? And it happened over two months ago, but the individuals involved in the shooting were just, they just got arrested just yesterday. Now, especially just, just um, given the facts around this, I know each of you, you've read about it, seen, seen the, the news reports about it. Now, the question I want to I start off with is how should we respond with news like this? Uh, should we just, uh, just ignore it? just pray and move on you know should we protest you know how should we be reacting and you know i especially i wanted i wanted to start off with seth um dude you you put up a video um today just just not not too long ago mm -hmm. and bro that thing had me in tears man because I, I was right there with you mm -hmm. um, I re it resonated and that's why i'm like yo let me let me ask if you're willing to even come come and share and join this conversation here and i, I wanted to start with you you know by even addressing that question, how should we respond? How do we respond? You know, and love for you to share your thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, obviously, this is a very uh, sad. I think is the only word I can really, really use. Um, unfortunately, it's not new, right? There is a a, a desensitizing effect that this kind of has upon us because it seems like every other month that something else, someone else. Yeah. Um, and so when you ask the question, how should we respond? I don't, I don't know if it's really so much how should we respond as much as it is how should we live? Mm. Right? Because I feel like a response says, Something happened, so now I need to act. I need to react. I need to. Thank you. Um, I need to, you know, call a council member, or I need to, you know, do something, protest, go on a march. Mm -hmm. And I think there's definitely a place for that, but I think more so, what this has really just challenged me is not so much in Seth. What is your response to this, to this violence or to this situation? But Seth, how are you living your life? Yeah. And I feel like I need to live my life on a daily basis where I am continuing to advocate and educate and speak up and speak out on behalf of not just the black community, the Hispanic community, people of color, anyone really, you know, who is marginalized, mm. anyone who is, um, you know, viewed as the less than, like I need to live my life in a consistent way. Um, being involved, leveraging my platforms, leveraging my messages, my sermons, my church, everything to really speak up for people who can't speak for themselves, regardless of their race, their ethnicity. I think within our context, obviously, it's relevant because we're talking primarily about the black and brown community. But I just feel like I need to live my life where I am pro-justice and yeah. where I am constantly fighting against the injustices of our society. So I don't know if it's so much like I need to respond to this situation. Like, obviously, I'm not in Georgia. I'm in California. You know, if this happened in my backyard in, in Riverside, you know, yeah, I would probably, you know, join a march or I'll probably link up with some city officials and 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 see how I can use my local resources to try to address this situation. Yeah. But because it's something that happened for me, at least, you know, across the country, it's not so much a response as much as it is. Seth, are you living your life every day fighting injustice in your own community? Because that same thing that happened over there, it's also happening here, right? Sure. Right? Sure. It's, it's happening everywhere. Right. Yeah. And so it's me saying, okay, I need to make sure that every day I'm living my life 
to advocate on behalf of the people um, who unfortunately are not in a position to advocate for themselves. So I guess that's my, that's my, my, I guess my response to the response, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, Dr. Hunt, I definitely saw um, you, 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 body language, you responded as Seth was talking there, especially when he says it's not so much a response, it's more of how you live. And I love that response. Now, now Dr. Hunt, would you like to add to that? Yeah, let me put it like, I agree totally that we should not respond in the sense of, I don't believe that we should be a responsive people. Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. You know, this is bigger than a response. Um, We had a Trayvon Martin, we had so many others. So. And it seemed like every time something like this happened, there's another march, mm-hmm. there's another protest. Mm. And I am not against marching, I'm not against protesting. In fact, I am for them. Uh, the problem I have is a lot of times we are not scientific in the sense, okay. in, the, in, in the sense um we are a lot of times a protest is happening but there is no clear strategy and there is no clear outcome that we are working towards okay okay and i believe that look oh we cannot ignore this we cannot ignore this mm-hmm. but we cannot be responsive to it either because this is a symptom of a bigger problem Mm-hmm. True, true. And we got to understand that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and, and and as we move, we got to know what we want. Because if we don't know what we want, if that's not clear, then our action, the actions that we're taking will not, will, will sometimes be irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Because okay. here's the thing. There's a message that needs to be heard but I'm not sure that it is being heard. And I believe that if I'm speaking and you're not hearing me, then I have an evaluation that I must make and ask, why is it you're not hearing me? Right. And and, and trust me, this has to stop. Mm -hmm. But we have to be very, very intentional about how we approach it. All right. Now, and, and I agree. And, you, you know, we talk about, you know, this has to stop. And we're beyond that point. You know, <laughs> this needs to stop. And it's, it leads to it leads to a lot of reaction as in anger and frustration and even fear and terror. Um, the reason why I say that, because for me personally, um, it actually it actually made me think twice about running. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I'm in I'm here right here in Georgia. And I'm, immediately I'm like, yo, how close was that? Right, and you know, even even where I live, there are certain individuals. They, I've seen them driving around. I've seen the pickup trucks, seen the Confederate flags, you know, stuff like that. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, mm, how safe am I? You know what I mean? And mm. it's a very it's a very um, sobering thought. You know, this this thing is real. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been me. It, my name could have been the next hashtag. Mm-hmm. Right, and you know, living with that reality. Where even my even my wife, my wife responds, she's like, um, you want you want to run today? How's the treadmill? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, 
you know, so I, I want, I, w- I would love to love for us to kind of dialogue about that. Like how, how do we, especially as black men, we're all here together. You know, how do we, we navigate those emotions? You know, because we have them. We can't, we can't, we can't act as if we, we don't, right? Um, you know, love, love to hear your thoughts. Gabe, you want, you want to jump on that? What, what do you think? Well, I, I, I want oh, to. That's a, that's a Yeah. I'm sorry. Did you say Gabe? <laughs> no, that you, you no, go ahead. Go ahead, Doc. Go ahead, Doc. Okay. I want to begin by um, getting a snapshot of the mind and heart of God. And just looking through the lens, for example, of Isaiah 58, you know, he's talking against people who are um, into religiosity, mm-hmm. you know, having a form of godliness. Mm-hmm. And he says, look, you know, um, that's not what I want. I want you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned, to lighten the burdens of those who work for you, to let the oppressed grow free, to remove the chains that bind people. You know, I mean, he's talking about his heart. And and these are not just, you know, nice, kind, sweet words. I mean, they're strong words. Look, this is what you got to do. Okay. And and getting, I I think it's important for us to have the mind and the heart of God that empowers us, that strengthens us with might by a spirit and an inner man, because it's so easy for us to fall into a mindset of, of victimization, where whereas black people, we internally take on a victim mentality and we stop fighting, we stop having a voice, and that's what is needed. Yeah. And and I want to say that not just for this particular incident, but but in a larger context here, you know, we have to look at our own church. Mm. You know, we have institutional racism in our own church that we need yeah. to look at yeah. real, real honestly and clearly. That's you know, true. and and of course in the larger in the larger society in which we live. And as a white man, um, I felt I felt. Uh, let me. Uh, I'm trying to be nice. Angry, I guess, is a nice word, but I was pissed, okay? I, w- I, was, <laughs> I was really angry about that video when I saw it. It was like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. You know, and so righteous indignation is something that I think is important for us to have because yeah. it gives us power and strength and a voice. It's how we use that voice. I think that is so important. I was so glad to hear, you know, what what you guys had to say about not reacting, you know, you know emotionally reacting or responding, but, but having a purpose and living a life of justice yeah. is so important. And and for me, I feel that our Caucasian brothers and sisters should be on the front lines of whatever we do to correct this kind of injustice. Mm -hmm. We need to be on the front lines, Mm -hmm. not just having you guys be on the front lines to speak for yourselves, but no, we need to be there supporting you, having a voice, even speaking out and taking leadership and doing what we need to do to correct the injustices that we have been so much a part of perpetrating. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Gabe, you like to jump on that? You know, and I, you know, I think I think everyone for what they said. I think um, I think one of the things that we have to do, and just speaking as a black male, right? Um, 
I think this is also a call for reflection. A lot of times we live in, how do I say, it's like a survival mode. Like, I don't think, I don't think we're even aware of how many decisions we make based on the color of our skin. Like, you're jogging down the street, you see a Caucasian female, do you stay on that side of the street or do you cross? <laughs> like, we've had these conversations, you know, talk about like, uh, maybe we need to go to the other side of the street. I just saw yeah. I don't look like. Or, you know, if you're jogging in a new neighborhood as part of a, you know, cause you're trying to get your 5K in or whatnot. Um, like, just realizing the, the stress that you're under, acknowledging that mm. um, is, I think, is really important. Um, but also consciously making decisions to not let the fear of the situation you're in rule you. Yes. Um, we should never let our actions be dictated by fear. However, we should always be wise. And so, you know, I went out on a jog, you know, after I, I heard about this, I was, I was going on a jog and, uh, you know, I, I looked at a neighborhood and I was like, well, do I need to go that way or should we go through the field today? Like I, like it was just, it was just a thought that just ran through my head. Mm-hmm. And I had to, I had to kind of make myself be like, gay, like understand, okay, that's how you feel, but don't let these actions dictate. I mean, don't let these circumstances dictate your actions. I think the other thing that we need to kind of make now, and I don't want to use the word failure, but I think there is a challenge to these type of situations. And the challenge that I see in this situation is community. A lot of times, I think it was Dr. Hunt who was saying, you know, we have, there are marches, there's all kinds of things. But do we have the, a community that's close-knit enough to maintain the actions or reactions that are started? Hmm. We, a lot of times we look at the, the local community that, was it Brunswick? If I don't think of this, Brunswick? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where the local you know, legal system didn't work. Was there another community present? to make things happen. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Do we have enough of a, a, a communal tie to one another to whatever happens now with the GBI to sustain that long-term? And so I think we have to, number one, make sure we take reflection, you know, go through our emotions, make sure we're not letting fear rule us. But also, we as a people need to work on our own community. True, true. Like, like, so that these things are harder to just get away with. <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to hear people's opinion, but that's just something I was thinking about while I was listening. No, and, and I think, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of value in that. We definitely need to take care take care of our own, and we do need to be put things in place that are sustainable. I totally totally agree. You know, mm-hmm. um, as we as we're reflecting here, you know. Even, even as I voiced it and I shared it with you, the, for lack of a better word, we're putting a reaction, you know, there, there's trauma here. There's trauma, right. um, that the terror that, that 
especially for us as black men, um, I can't speak for all, but I can speak for myself, that the terror that is that is there, whether consciously or subconsciously, or the trauma um, that takes place in watching a video like that and self-identifying, right? Um, the, the, the question that I have is, is how can we, how can we properly process this, right? Um, because I, you know, I took some time of reflection. I realized I was actually starting to go through a, a period of even mourning. I, I might, to a certain degree, I kind of feel like I'm still in that where, you know, how can we come alongside those that are hurting right now? I, my heart truly goes out to, to, um, Aubrey's mother who right now is Mother's Day and, you know, she's she's still in the process of mourning her son and you know and his loss you know so i'm just just thinking about that how do we process how do we heal um through this because healing needs to take place because in order for us to take any kind of proactive action we need to be able to reflect and address the issues that we're presently in right mm -hmm. how do we process how we're feeling right now the hurt the pain and then to be able to then come alongside others that are also hurting and bring them along on this journey of, of restoration and healing. You know, I would love, love to hear some thoughts on that, especially, um, you know, Dr. Hunt, you're a psych psychologist, you know, talk to me, you know, how, how do we address this? Here's the thing. There has to be a diagnostic process. All right. There has to be. And it goes back to what I said earlier. Yes, I'm angry. I'm sad. Mm. I am afraid. I mean, mm. I cannot tell you how many times that I've gotten stopped by cops uh, for some silly reason. Yeah. You know, oh, you, you have a light out in the back. No, I have no light out in the back. All right. You know? Yeah. It happens all the time. And yes, I'm angry about this. The truth is, when I talk to people, I say, look, be intentional. And by that, I mean, be, don't become hopeless by your situation. Balance the sense of not being hopeless, but at the same time, do not ignore the reality of your situation. Hmm. And this is an epidemic in America. It, I would love to say, I would love to say, um, Dr. Dave, that the white are the Caucasians, they should be at the forefront of this. But I also know the reality of my situation that it's not gonna happen. Hmm. You know, so um, I know there are, there are a lot of great white people. I have a lot of white friends that, that I love to death. Um, however, I know that collectively, this fight is my fight because we are the ones who are dying. It, and, and, and it is very important to understand that. Yeah. So, so go back to, okay, my goal is, it, it, my goal is simple. Stop killing us for no reason. Now the question becomes, how do I let you get this? Because obviously uh, the slogan, 
Black Lives Matter. Yeah. It didn't send the message. There are a lot of things that we have said and we have done that it gave a break for, uh, for a moment. And this is where what said 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 earlier becomes very important. I have to realize that when the wind stops blowing, it doesn't mean that the storm is over. And I have to keep doing what I'm doing, even though there is nothing on the news about another brother got killed. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to keep this in in the forefront i have to keep keep this mission alive because if if the only time i get worked up is when i see another video surface on the internet yeah, it's almost cool. like i'm 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 doing the work and then i'm undoing it and then i'm doing it all over again it becomes um get out there and vote when you got to vote true true and make sure you're not voting just because the person is black or because um, the person is a Democrat and you call yourself a Democrat. Because I don't know why in the world would a black person say, I'm a Democrat or I'm, an, uh, I'm a Republican. I don't know why. We have to start looking at issues that are important to us. And we have to do everything within our power um, to address those issues. And we have to hold the people that we put in power to do what we vote them there to do. We have to, beco- we have to become so much more a part of our society and not just the group over here. We, ha- we, ha- we have to go, look, this bus ain't moving if I'm not on it and I'm not getting on there until I know that what I need is gonna be on that bus. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and Seth, I, I see your hand. I would love for you to jump in here. Yeah, you know, I totally, I totally feel what you're saying. Um, I do think there has to be some type of coalition that is formed. I don't think that we can do this on our own. I think about the civil rights movement with Dr. King in Selma, yeah. Alabama, and it wasn't until white people got on board. Um, the gentleman's name, the, 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 I think he was um, the preacher who came down. I think his name was Robert. Um, Reeb, who died um, at the hand of white segregationalists. And I mean, that really sparked the movement. It gained national attention. Let me just give you case in point. So we know that there have been a number of um, situations like this that have happened. Like you mentioned some already, you know, Trayvon Martin, Freddie Gray, like Franco Castile, like Sandra Bland, like the list goes on and on. And there have been some individuals from the white community who have kind of like, oh, that's too bad, or oh yeah, something should be done. But I haven't seen, and this may just be, you know, my own revisionist history. Like I, I, I don't recall, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't recall a major movement amongst white evangelicals who got out and spoke out on behalf of those other instances, situations that have happened. But yeah. this one, for whatever reason, um, I've seen more and more white evangelical pastors, non-Adventists and Adventists who have really come and lended their, lended their platform and lended their voice to speaking out against this. For example, Andy Stanley, as we all know him, um, one of the, probably one of the most prominent, you know, white evangelicals in America, you know, he came out and he spoke against this, right? And he's like, hey, it's, we have to do something as white Americans, we just can't let this, can't let this happen. And it was almost like, as soon as he said that, he gave permission, right, to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Right after he 
said that, you saw Stephen Furtick posted something. You saw uh, um, um, Craig Rochelle posted something. Like you yeah. saw all these other white evangelicals, right? Perry Noble posted something, you know, Joel Osteen. Like you saw everyone else kind of came and followed behind Andy Stanley. And to me, that just showed me like, you know, the reality is, is that this fight is not going to be won in the hearts of men. Like, we're not going to be able to bring Holy Ghost spiritual conversion to racism. Like, I'm done with that. Like, right? Mm. I don't believe that's, that. I can't win that battle, right? That's, God's going to have to deal with that. But right. what I, where, where I do feel this battle can be won is at the ballot box. I feel like that's where we have to take the fight. And we can't win the ballot box by ourselves. We need everyone else. This situation would have never happened. Well, let me not say this. It may have happened, but it wouldn't have happened and they walk away for two months right. if there was a different district attorney in that office. The reason why this thing, why they got off for the last two months is because the district attorney. How was the district attorney elected? by people, voters who put him in office, right? And so I feel like, yes, we're always going to have to deal with, and this is not, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that racism is always gonna be with us and so therefore we should do nothing about it. Like that's not what I'm, I'm not, I'm not on that bandwagon. That's not my, that's not my, my, my philosophy. Right. I do think that we need to fight against racism, but I think the reality is, is that we're always gonna have to deal with this tension in this world that we live in. This is the tension of America. Mm. right this is the tension of the of a sinful society that we live in and as a result of that yes i need to do everything i can to advocate and to fight on behalf and to and to um try to strengthen the 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 individuals who are in the black and brown community who need help but but on top of that i have to fight for the ballot box like that's where i think that's where the fight is really won and lost putting individuals in positions of power. It doesn't matter your race. You can be white, black, red, yellow, black, or white. It doesn't matter to me. But putting individuals in positions of power who have a mindset where they are open and they are, like we like to say, woke, right? They understand the situation. They understand the climate, right? Where they are not trying to just advocate for their own, but they're really for all people, right? Putting people in positions who then can work to change laws, who can then work to implement policies that would be to the advantage of everyone, right? And not just the top 1% or the one, one portion of our society. So I don't know, I say all that just to say, I really feel like it, there needs to be a coalition. I think we need, I think, yes, black people need to take responsibility for what we can be responsible for. We need to get off the stoop, right? We need to, we need to, we need to, to, to make sure that, you know, we're doing everything that we can to, 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 to register voters, to vote. Um, we need to be doing everything we can to, 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 to work on behalf of people who are the marginalized and, and to fight against injustice. But in addition to that, man, we have to cross aisles with white people and with Asians and with Hispanics. Like, it just can't be a us versus them fight. Like, it has to be a coalition of people who are willing. And I, I'll say this, this is the last thing I'll say. I do believe that there are enough of them on the other side. I think there's enough white folk out there, there who, also are under, who also understand, like, I get it. Like, yeah, I get that this situation is jacked up. And they are kind of sitting on the sidelines saying, what can we do to help? Like, I, I just feel that in my spirit, right? Could be wrong, but I just feel that there are there are sincere people out there of other other faith traditions, yep. other, other, other ethnicities and races who are saying, you know what, this is wrong and we need to, we want to help. We need to lend our influence 
to, to, to make this thing right. And I, and I totally agree with you. And I, I, I want to echo that because I believe now, at this point in history, more than any other time before, we are ripe and ready for it because we're, we're living in a generation that is that is extremely mixed. There's a lot of mixed um, mixed races, mixed um, cultures coming together. So if there's a so if there's a people group that is ready, primed and ready to address this issue and to dismiss it and to really attack it the way it needs to be attacked, is this one. I totally agree. Now, Doctor um, Doctor Selichek, please, I would love for you to jump in here. Well, I would, and I'd I'd like to uh, briefly address. Um, kind of the mental health trauma aspect of this because I think it's an important thing and I know that that the stigma of mental illness is is something that um, you know the black community sometimes has a resistance to talking about because we don't want to put this to stigmatize them even further but but I think we need to recognize that a lot of the responses that people have are trauma responses and, and so when something like this happened, that happened um, um, back in February, people viewing that are often re-traumatized. Mm -hmm. And we need to recognize that it is a very real trauma response that needs to be, mm -hmm. needs to be, a, um, well, I, I, I think one thing we need to do is educate about trauma. We need to have, you know, very deliberate educational programs about what trauma is, how the brain works when it's been traumatized. You know, the hypervigilance that comes with trauma. I mean, some of you spoke, like Gabe, you spoke to that fear response, you know, that you had. And, you know, and, and some of that is related to trauma. And then, you know, when you take a look at the trauma that begins um, in in the lives of young black children many times mm. that's very real back then but when something today happens that feels like it did back then mm. we have this thing called implicit memory and implicit wow. memory means I bring that that feeling from the past that memory from the past and I respond mm. in the present as if it was the same thing as the past mm. and then we have trauma upon trauma Right. Now, multiple layers of trauma that build upon one another. And so we have this, this phenomena called complex or complicated grief, you know, complicated trauma, you know, which, which means it needs to be unlayered. And, and, and so the more we can understand, <clears throat> excuse me, how the brain works, educate our people about that, that what you're feeling is normal. You need to be allowed to have these feelings as long as it doesn't turn into um, hatred and violence, which is the thing you don't want to do. Right. You know, to, to have uh, you know the attitude of, of a Martin Luther King or Mahatma Gandhi or Jesus Christ. You know that that we can have a voice, but not have a reactive voice. But but recognize that we are people who need to heal from trauma long-term trauma, the trauma of racism, the trauma of slavery, all of those traumas are, are in many ways being brought into the present and we need to recognize that and address that and heal from the trauma. Well, how, but how does that even happen though? Let me just, let me just, and this is not a pushback, but this is just a, okay, let's, that's, that sounds good kind of up here, right? But like, how does that, how does that even 
happen. It's almost like you're living in a house with an abuser and then a therapist comes in and tries to bring some type of healing to the, uh, to the person who's being abused, mm-hmm. but you're still living in the house with the abuser. Yeah. So it's so so I just feel like okay yeah I can go through therapy and trauma and you know and you can help me kind of understand and educate me and all of that, but is but until I am in a psychologically safe environment, will, will healing ever really take place? Well, I I really appreciate that perspective, you know, and when, what we recognize is when we actually do treatment with. Um, you know, we don't do couples therapy, for example, in a in a domestic violence situation. Okay. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. That that's not practice. That's not state of the art practice. You get the 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 abused person out of the situation. Okay. Right. And and most of the time, we recognize that perpetrators of domestic violence don't change. And I think some of you said it earlier today. You know. <clears throat> Don't expect, don't expect, you know, for people who who are racist, they have a racist mindset. It's ingrained in them. Mm. They're probably going to continue to be racist, mm. and so we need to be realistic about that too, and mm. not and not say, well, you know, we we can change or the power of God, even though it's possible, but typically doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know. But, but there is healing for people who are willing to have it. That doesn't mean healing. See, a lot of people think that forgiveness means you're, not, you're supposed to trust and have no voice. That's not what forgiveness is about. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness does not mean you know, that you have no voice. It means you set healthy boundaries when mm-hmm. you need to. Okay. What is necessary? I'm yeah, sorry. Go ahead. go ahead. What is necessary for us to do is separate the issues. Because, yes, we have the issue of trauma, that uh, uh, the ones who are going through the, uh, the abuse and enduring the trauma, uh, traumatization, we're dealing with that and healing needs to take place. That's a separate issue from stopping systematic racism. And a lot of times, why it becomes so complicated and nothing gets done is because everything is grouping together. Mm. Okay. Because okay. if I'm, if I cannot say the same thing to an abusive spouse that I'm saying to the spouse that is being abused. True. Cause what, one, one, one I'm, I'm trying to, to get them to stop their behavior and the other I'm trying to get healing from mm-hmm. what was, that has been done to them. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and so it is very important that when we talk about this, we understand that there are so many issues and this is why when we're addressing, when we're taking action, we have to know which issue we are dealing with. All right. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't know which one I'm, which one I'm dealing with, then, my, my 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 action becomes ir- irrelevant true now, and i and i ended up right where where i started or even worse than mm-hmm. where i started mm-hmm. now, because now, 
Now, Doc, especially as you, you broke it down like that, you know, we have to separate the issues, right? Um, which of which of the which of the issues do you think would be um, most pertinent? Um, dealing with the person that has been that has been abused or hurt. Start with that individual first to bring about healing, or um, addressing the the perpetrator. Or, uh, which 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 do you address first? Or and I think said, said it earlier. I, I think said said it. You want you want it, you want to jump on what you had said about dealing with the 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 the. the Therapy in the in the abusive home. No, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. You're, you're the you're the you're the professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring, bring that home. Bring that home. The truth is, which is more important, both of them? Mm -hmm. it's, it, it, it's it's hard to 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 hierarchy them because mm. the just as much as how we need healing from what's happening, these actions has to stop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and 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 this is why it is it is necessary for you to I might not be able to 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 address everything at the same time, but I have to be very clear about which one I'm addressing and mm -hmm. focus on the one that I'm addressing. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it's a step, it doesn't feel like it's a step one, step two. Exactly. You know, it's a it's a both and at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think I think there are some excellent therapists, some excellent mental health professionals, mm -hmm. and that if I or anyone in you know in our community, you know, is has access to them and can and can and can avail themselves of their services, we definitely need to do that on a regular basis, right? Like you need right. to be in that space. I also want to just add, I think the grace of God is really sufficient, man. I think God's grace comes in, and he lifts us up, and he keeps us sane. And so, so yes, we need therapists. Yes, we need prayer. Yes, we need grace. But we also need to be fighting these, fighting the issue, right? And so it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's both and, you know, at the same time. Definitely, exactly. definitely. And now, and, I gave up. You know, I was, go ahead. Um, I think I think this is where that coalition kind of comes into play. Um, where if you have an abusive situation, and here's the truth about abusive situations between, let's say, between adults at least. All right, um, let's say it's a woman who's being abused. Until she has, or he has, whoever's being abused, the mindset of I'm not going to allow this to happen anymore. Hmm. I'm going to get out. They're going to stay in that situation. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. you're not always going to get the abuser be able to stop. But however you can, sometimes you can get to, that abused person to a state of mental health to the point where they can get the abuse to stop. So I think that I was listening to your, 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 what you were saying. And I think, I think it's, it's very true. We have, we have to make sure we are very proactive about engaging in mental health with our community because go. a lot of the responses that we give and a lot and a lot of the how do i say this part of the reason i believe um we don't get involved in voting and we don't get involved in other solutions that would help solve our own problems is because of our our mental outlook on the situation how many times have we heard from ourselves or may have, I mean, from our friends or may have said it ourselves, man, why am I going to vote? This is just going to happen like such and such. Yeah. Well, you know how it is, man, such and such and such. <laughs> and so this is, this is you buying yeah. into your own helpless state. 
So it's your mental health that's not allowing you to take the appropriate action to change your situation. And so I think we have to make sure that that we are dealing with mental health because you can, it's hard, it's harder. It is harder to gain mental health in an abusive situation, but you can. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, is that we have to. That's just a fact. If we are going to healthily respond uh, 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 and engage with the situations that we are currently faced in and have been faced with for hundreds of years, we are going to have to be a healthier people. Yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. going through one of one of the darkest periods, one of the darkest periods in our history, uh, was a healthy individual, Indeed. and his health allowed others to be inspired and move forward. And so I think that we do have to take our mental health very, very seriously um, when engaging with this type of an issue. Uh, and that coalition, that coalition is crucial because that Underground Railroad would not have happened without our brothers from other mothers helping us get from house to house. They're, they're, this is not our fight. This is not a, a black fight. This is our fight. And when I talk about community, that's, that's really what I'm talking about. If you want to move forward with change, if you want to move forward with healing, you have to have a community of people that are black, that are white, that are Asian, that are Hispanic, that that encompasses everything, uh, 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 all the races. And you say, hey, this is what I'm feeling because when one part of the body is hurting, we all are affected. Do you think that the Hispanic community is not going to be affected by this? Do you think that the white community is not going to be affected by this? So we have to understand that this is a fight that we all must join in together and move forward together if we're ever going to win. And that's my two cents. Oh, hey, thank you for sharing, man. Listen, and I and I agree, and I agree. I, now, I asked a question earlier, you know, where do we start? And I believe that there is a step one, step two, um, because I don't believe we can take uh, multiple steps together, else we're, we're going to be hopping. And we already know hopping along is not the, the most the most um, conducive way of moving, of mobility. We take one step at a time, right? And I believe the first step actually starts with us mentally. Um, as a as a people, because we have been through so much trauma, we are suffering from a lot of tra- traumatic experiences, a lot of traumatic, um, you know, incidents that have happened along the way. And because of that, we then educate or or just indoctrinate the next generation behind us to adopt some of these mentalities. Like a lot of these these things that we've talked about is stuff that has been passed down. You know, either through media, either through you know parents colleagues you know we're surrounded by unhealthy people and we perpetuate this unhealthy mindset you know so that's why i kind of i was kind of leading it there a little bit because i believe that there is a first step because if you try to draw unhealthy people to do something healthy it doesn't always work right it, it just it doesn't work right and it this kind of brings my mindset to you know i have a son i have a daughter and i'm thinking about them and I want to make sure that I educate them in an even better way than I was educated. Give them even more information and um, and let them understand the, you know, <laughs> like excuse me, like how Seth mentioned earlier. Listen, there's two Americas. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's two Americas that we're living in. You know, there's two. There's there are different cultures, different subcultures, all at play at the same time, right? Um, what we the reality that we live is not the reality that others are living. Right, and we have to be mindful of that, and to educate 
in a healthy way the next generation so that they can really pick up the mantle and do the necessary work forming these healthy coalitions that are needed right mm-hmm. now in the, in the last few moments here i would love for each of you um take a take a minute or so to this um your last thoughts love to hear from each of you uh, we can start with seth yeah i mean I, I think forums like this are important to just continue to have the conversation I think that sometimes in this fight, we can feel as though it's hopeless. Mm. But I think when we're able to really partner together and, and encourage each other, strengthen each other, see how there's new new recruits, people who are joining the movement, like we realize like, no, this thing is not hopeless, right? We can make a difference. And ultimately, yes, we recognize that this earth is not our home that heaven is our home and that we long for that distant country that will come and where we can, uh, where all this will be behind us. But until then, you know, God has called us to be good stewards of where we are and uh, we can't turn our blind eye, our, our, our blind eye to um, the, 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 the hurt and the pain and um, the injustice that's taking place um, right in our own communities. So. Yeah, we got to work together. We need everybody. Red, yellow, black, and white. Like I said, you know, we got to we got to link up and we got to move this thing forward. So true. So true. Doctor Hunt, last thoughts. Where where we are today in terms of having the right to vote, having the right to be educated wherever we want to be educated, we're we're here because we recognized the power that we had back then. We recognized that we could stop the economy. Mm. And we did. Mm -hmm. Unless we continue down the same road, where we continue to recognize the power that we have, we will not win anything. Um, Joe Biden is running for the presidency and he is pretty much the Democrat nominee because blacks put him there. Mm. He has pretty much 90% of the black votes. Have we recognized that we have a power that the next time that Joe comes into our community, he's coming to listen rather than to speak. Hmm. Okay. Have we said this is what we need from you when we vote you into office or, or else you're not going in there? We don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we have the power to do that. Mm-hmm. So we must recognize the power that we have as a community. We must recognize that and work as a community to make this happen. I believe that we should collaborate with, 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 with um, others of, 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 of other races. Mm. The, the truth that from my truth is though, while collaboration is important and is necessary, I have to understand that unless I am saying here is a movement to join. Others will not say, hey, look at the blacks over there. They are in trouble. Let's start a movement for them. 
It becomes our responsibility to start a very organized movement yeah. with clear result, desired outcome. And once we have that, then we start looking for those who are willing to collaborate with us and join this movement. I hear that. Um, Dr. Dr. Selichek, you got closing thoughts? You know, I want to, uh, I want to express my appreciation, first of all, for the voices that have, that have been come before me tonight. Um, I was thinking similarly to what Dr. Hunt was thinking, that it needs to be structured and organized. For example, if you just look at demographics, our Hispanic brothers and sisters, in just in terms of sheer numbers, are going to be the largest demographic in a few years in this country. You know, how can we create strategic alliances with them that is for their benefit as well as for our benefit? I mean, how can we how can we do that? Um, Seth, you talked about um, preachers, white preachers who are who are coming on. Uh, how can we how can we intentionally reach out to them and say, wow, thank you so much, which does what? It reinforces in their minds that what they did is a great thing. Yeah. You know, that real, I mean, how can we be strategic in, in creating these kinds of alliances with people who, who we know will, you know, who are going through similar experiences, but also people who have not, but who are, supportive, sympathetic, uh, you know, to the cause. I think those kinds of strategies we need to think through very carefully, as well as, as well as, you know, couch all of that, not in pure politics, but in Christianity, you know, in the oneness of the body of Christ that 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, in, you know, in, in looking at those kinds of, of, um, biblical paradigm so that would be my last word all right pastor gabe closing thoughts i think i think uh my team colleagues have said it best um i think that being intentional about creating community and a community that doesn't necessarily just look like you is is necessary for this fight to move forward. I believe that just practical steps for people who are going through this right now, um, you know, find your pastor and, and, and find out what resources are available to you. A social worker, uh, I, I, would, I would hope that schools would, um, would make sure, you know, working with schools to make sure that people know how to um, escalate a situation legally. A lot of times we feel helpless because we don't know what to do. Mm. Um, how can we educate our young people, uh, all young people? Okay, this is not happening in your community. Here's the next step you take it to. Here's the next person you talk to. Here's how you work together to get this done. Educate people. Form those coalitions, strategic coalitions intentionally. Um, be, be, you know, be very how do I say this? Never give up hope. And I think this is something our, our people really need to understand. 
we have a history of victory. This is what we forget. We have a history of overcoming insurmountable odds. True. This is our legacy. Yeah. So when we see these type of situations, we have to realize that we are not powerless. We are not hopeless. We have a heritage that says, I don't care what you do to me. Not only will I get back up, but I will rise to the top. No. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget who you are. And I think that type of education is the most important. If you don't realize who you are and the power you have, the world will treat you like a pauper when you're really a prince. Mm -hmm. yep. So recognize who you are. And the biggest thing that we are is a child of a king mm -hmm. who runs this universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Never also forget the power of the gospel to make changes in society. Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King was a preacher. Mm -hmm. When you look at Gandhi's autobiography, he says this is this is a listing of his spiritual experiments. We we forget the power of spirituality, the power of God and changing society. Never forget that. Don't forget who you are and don't forget whose you are. Mm -hmm. Good word. Indeed, indeed. Man, word, preaching word. from a car. Preaching from a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you caught right. <laughs> Gabriel, where are you located? I'm at I'm at Andrews right now. Um, okay, I'm right. at Andrews right now, finishing up the seminary. Is that is that is it still light out there? Or is that snow in the background? <laughs> you know, you got jokes, uh, but it might snow. You know, <laughs> it snowed like a couple of days ago somewhere here. I know it. Uh, <laughs> right now, it's just light. Amen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, listen, listen, man. I am thrilled. I, I want to thank you all for, for for joining me and for sharing. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I know that I have I have grown from this conversation. Um, you know, like I shared shared my experience. You know, with initially hearing hearing of this incident um, of the young man losing his life and even watching the video, and I had to spend some time in prayer reflection. Um, I had to dismiss this spirit of fear and of timidity. And I had to remind myself, go back to the word and said, oh, Lord, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of sound mind, of confidence. And it built me up where I'm able to talk about it right now. And I want to thank you all for, for coming and joining and sharing because we, we grow from each other. We grow through this experience and we need to have these conversations because we're educating each other. We're building each other up. So I want to thank you all for your time. And you know, next week, we're going to be having having um, a further discussion, but we're going to hear the side from the women. Um, we're going to be joined by um, a district attorney, a lawyer. She's going to be breaking down the legal side of things, what we should expect and why um, things might have happened the way they did, you know, stuff like that. And the loopholes are there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm also going to be um, reaching out to Madam Selichek, um for her to join us. And so I'm really looking forward to next week's discussion. But brothers, I want to thank you all. Lift each other up, keep each other in prayer. All right. God bless you all, man. Thank you. 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 Thank